Hi, today I am talking to Jeff Wolvine. Jeff Wolvine is one of the premier videographer Skywatcher and UF Hunter in the United States. He is the first person to prove that the Hu Ho Kem Indians carved UFO sight- sightings hundreds of years ago on the mountains around the Valley of Phoenix, Arizona. His videos and research has captivated the UFO world and changed the way to understand UFO through the rock art and his UFO sightings and investigations. Jeff has written a book on this subject and is currently being published now. Fifteen years of research and hiking the mountains around the Valley of Phoenix, Arizona and filming USOs, UFOs in the valley skies. He has possible explanations and theories that UFOs and that's included in his book. Jeff has been in a number of shows, radio shows and premiered in the pilot for UFO Hunter show that was later aired on History Channel. Jeff has been watching UFOs for 20 years now and in the beginning of his research, UFO hunters thought it was nothing more than theory to the world, the UFO world. But as his work evolved, the UFO researchers continued to study his work. They now come to understand his theories as possible facts throughout the years. Now, today, other researchers are using his work and theories of possible answers for UFOs. But both Joran Wolvine is the first to bring this topic to prove it to prove it true to your community and to the world. Hi Jeff. Hey, how you doing? Glad to be here. Now I would like to pronounce your name of your book, but I got the far as the Phoenix Lights and I couldn't pronounce the other bit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's called Petroglyphs in the Sky. And Petroglyphs is a name used for the rock carvings that the Ohokam Indians did hundreds and possibly uh, close to over a thousand years ago. And so basically, um, through my research, uh, what I wanted to do was create a name that my research that I was doing. And basically, you know, when I was watching the mountains and when I skywatch out here, it's the same formations that are being carved out here on the mountains here in Phoenix, Arizona. Not only Phoenix, but around the world as well. Uh, it's the same type of uh, uh, patterns or ge- geological patterns or some might even say demonic uh, symbols and things like that that are carved out here, and, and we're seeing this in the sky today. So I was basically looking for a name of, of what I was doing. So basically... We're seeing petroglyphs in the sky. We're seeing these rock art, these rock carvings uh, in the sky. That's what these uh, UFOs uh, are, are showing. That's what is depicting out here. Uh, not only the carvings here, but all over the world is um, UFO sightings. Um, this, there's a lot of uh, a lot of things that are carved out here that are carved. Um, it's the same story. It seems to be all over the world. So yeah. Uh, that's basically what I, I named uh, my research was Petroglyphs in the Sky because we're seeing these petroglyphs in the sky. What inspired you to do this? 
Oh, wow. You know, I just started simply looking up. Um, I, st- I started seeing uh, UFOs, weird, weird things in the sky. And, uh, you know, the more I watched, the more I started to wonder what it was. And I just, I, I studied uh, for years on these things. And it all, all, all my studies led to the mountains. It seemed like these UFO creatures, if you will, like mountains. And uh, all the myths and legends seemed to point towards the mountains. So um, as I started doing more research and more studies, you know, I started uh, hiking the mountains around here in, in, in Phoenix, studying the Petroglyphs, studying the Native American uh, myths and legends, and, you know, it all made sense. Um, I went with other UFO stories and UFO theories, but it is, didn't seem to match uh, what we're seeing in the skies today. It was all a theory uh, to most people. Um, but I actually took it a step further. Um, I witnessed it. I proved it um, by sitting by uh, the mountains, one of the mountains out here called South Mountain, and I sat up there for a couple of years, and I literally watched these things come and go from the mountains, and I recorded them and documented them. And the more I sat up there, the more I was hiking the mountains, the more I went exploring and finding new stories and, and new evidence that, uh, you know, yeah, the, uh, the Holocom Indians, they did see these creatures, and they did record them on the rocks out here. Some people believe that aliens are like us, visiting ourselves in the, well, in the future. If you notice how I'm not saying uh, spaceships, if you notice how I'm not saying crafts, uh, I, I, this is something completely different. Though we have many stories on crafts, um, we have many videos and true sightings of something completely different. And that's what I believe uh, is what's going on here. Um, it's not crass at all. It's not technologies. It's not little green men from Mars. Uh, it's something completely different. Um, a lot of a lot of people don't understand. That's that's the problem. That uh, um, a lot of sky watchers and a lot of people who see these UFOs in the sky, they through Hollywood and disinformation and wrong information, uh, they automatically assume that this is a spaceship we're looking at. Um, if you see five lights out there, out there in the sky, uh, they, some people can think that this is a, a spaceship, a, a UFO spaceship, and uh, that's not that's not what's going on here. Each light is a entity, is a creature, if you will, uh, is the living being, is the life form. Each light is a, a, is the intelligent being. Um, he's not made out of nuts and bolts. He's not a little green man. Uh, inside a craft, um, this is something uh, that's alive. It's like a new species. Um, what am I saying? The, the oceanographers are finding new species of life beneath the oceans. Now, this is a new species of life above the oceans that the scientists and a lot of, a lot of other people studying this uh, fail to recognize. Um, but yeah, this is a, a, a new type of creature uh, new to us, um, it hasn't been new to the world. Uh, they've been here a lot longer than man- mankind has, and uh, they've always been here. Um, I think it's funny um, how scientists and that satellite SETI is looking for intelligent life, intelligent life uh, beyond our solar system. When we should be looking for 
life in our own backyard because that's basically what's going on here. These things come and go. Mostly, they're going after the energy. That's one of the reasons why they like they like mountains and anything to do with fall lines. Uh, fall lines in, uh, in the Earth's crust uh, generate energy, and um, they basically absorb this energy. Yeah, because over here we got ley lines, so it sounds very similar to that. That's it. That's exactly it. Now, the fault lines, the ley lines, uh, the lines around the earth that attracts energy, that's correct. Because when I do research about, because um, I do cryptozoology as well, and when I look up cryptid creatures, there's often a link between cryptids, paranormal, and UFOs, all normally on a um, that line. Right. Absolutely, yep. Have you come across the same thing? Um, well, uh, they, they are attracted to the energy spots out here. Um, if that's what you're asking, yes. They, uh, you know, power plants, anything that, that uh, generates a high volume of energy, um, you know, uh, energy spots, um, power plants, uh, nuclear power plants, fault lines, uh, anything that generates energy, uh, that's where these uh, UFOs uh, seem to show up the most. Um, that's one of the reasons why Phoenix, Arizona um, is a hot spot for these UFOs is because of the mountains that surround this valley was created by volcanoes, and volcanoes has fault lines. And um, that's basically uh, one of the reasons why we see them so much here, not only in Phoenix, but on the west side of the United States, is because there's so much uh, fault lines here, especially like in California, you know, stuff like that. Um, also, uh, if you're aware of volcanoes, sometimes you'll be able to see one of these uh, UFO creatures actually going inside a volcano or, or hovering over a volcano. Um, it's, it's gathering the energy. Hmm. I, I, I believe, like you say, I think they the like to... I wonder why they chose the in, Indians to talk to or communicate with in the first place. I wonder if they found an in, affinity with them. Well, the story goes, um, when the Holocom Indians uh, first arrived here now, Holocom is a Pima word, a Pima Indian word for the people who are gone, the people who got taken away, the people who are missing, because we don't know what happened to these Holocom Indians here. And the Pima Indians consider themselves ancestors to the, to the Holocom. And the myths and legends in the story goes, when the Holocom and the Mayans, because we have plenty of Mayan rock art here, uh, Mayan and possible Aztec, uh, when they arrived here, um, it wasn't all hot and dried up. It was more like a tropical-like landscape. Um, there's evidence on the mountains here of waterfalls, and um, the Holocom Indians was masters at that time of great canal systems um, here on planet Earth. They were the master canal systems of all time. And um, to this day, uh, the city of Phoenix still uses some of, them, some of the canal systems uh, that the Holocoms uh, dug up uh, hundreds and, and, uh, and possibly over a thousand years ago. Um, today they're a little bit more modern with concrete, but it's basically the same grid. 
So basically, when they got here, they didn't know how to live. And these things, the legends say that these things came up out of the sand world. They came up out of the mountains. And um, they had the appearance of lizard men. And they lost their tails to look like everyone else. And they taught these people how to survive. And uh, they taught them all the secrets, secret knowledges of the universe and the planets. And they had magical powers. And in return, the Holocoms um, worshipped these things as gods. Uh, to this day, you can still find altars, sacrificing altars around the mountains here in the Valley of the Sun. And you can find uh, tons of petroglyphs uh, of these lizard men um, coming up out of uh, the doorways. Now, there's spirals, there's carvings of spirals out here on the mountains. Now, these spirals represent doorways to the underworld. And depending on which direction the, the, the spiral is turning, for instance, if the, if the spiral is turning clockwise, then it's a door in. If a spiral is turning counterclockwise, it's a door out. Um, if it ends up, up, if it ends on top, that means there's a doorway in the sky, in the in the in the sky there. And that's when you see these lights, these phoenix lights, these creatures just magically seem to appear in the sky, and then dis disappear in the sky because there's a doorway uh, right there. If the spiral ends on the bottom, then it could be possibly the ground that the that the bowl, that the spiral is carved on the with the boulder. Or it's a crack. Um, a lot of there's a lot of spirals out here, uh, and they're right above cracks in the boulder where the spirals are carved at. Now this represents the doorway, and the spiral ending at the crack. That crack is the doorway, or it could be the ground that the boulder is sitting on, on with the spiral carved on it. So um, this went on for a thousand years. The Holocons lived here for a thousand years and sacrifice and worship and um people used to come from all over uh uh all over the place to this mountain at that time the uh, south mountain was called mount sapoa mountain of mercy and uh other tribes from other nations used to gather uh at this spot for uh worship trade sacrifice and uh just to witness uh, the spirits in the sky, and then something happened, and I, I, I really looking at the stories, looking at the carvings out here, um, understanding the myths. Um, I really think that the sacrifice of of uh, of mankind stopped, and that's when the spirits uh, seem to get uneasy. And so, back to the what the Holocom name means. The Holocom uh, is the people who are missing, means the people who disappeared, the people who got taken away, because we don't know what happened to these people. They just up and vanished. Now, this is the same story with other tribes around the same period of time all over the world, where tribes of uh, natives just automatically just disappear and never seen again in history. And even when you and I move, uh, we take our belongings with us. We had the Holocom Indians here, they just simply vanished. They left all their belongings here and simply go and simply was gone. Now the archaeologist wants us to believe, well, it just got too hot here, it got too it got too dry and they just simply migrated somewhere else. 
Okay, if that's the case, then where did they go? There's no evidence of these people um, taking their belongings and traveling somewhere else to distant lands for a better place to live. There's no evidence of this. Uh, now, when you dig deep into this, and when you look at the carvings out here, um, the carvings actually show these creatures, these UFOs, these phoenix lights, these flying serpents, if you will, uh, picking people up by their heads and carrying them off into the sky. Now, this consists with the uh, with the natives, some of the natives, uh, Americans, that will talk to you about this because a lot of a lot of them. Uh, understand what this is, understand what these lights are, understand what these creatures that we're seeing in the sky is today. And a lot of them will not talk about this. Um, but the ones that do talk about this, they will tell you that the devil came from the east and took the people away. Now this, co this, uh, this, uh, this coincides with the carvings out here on the mountains where it's showing these flying serpents, people taking people up and carrying them off into the sky. There were survivors to this type of holocaust, and they hid in caves, and they watched what was going on. And when it was all over with, they vowed never to come, never to live here in this valley again. Uh, they buried their gold, they buried all their, uh, their sacrificing idols, uh, they covered up the tombs, and they were, they were afraid. They did not want to live in this valley, because they knew if they, if they continued to live in this valley, then eventually they would have to go back to war with the spirits of the earth and sky. So they all got terrified, they all packed up, and they took off. They left this valley. And for 400 years, nobody lived in, this, in, in the city of Phoenix. Nobody lived here. Nobody lived in this valley for 400 years. There were tribes that were living on the outsides, outsides of this valley, but no one would step a foot in this valley because this valley was cursed. They watched the lights, they watched the UFOs coming and going from the mountains, but they knew, they knew not to get close to these things and to stay away from them, and they were afraid. So nobody lived here for 400 years. Until Jack Swelling came around, and uh, that, all of this goes into my book. Um, you can find my book on, on Amazon, on Kindle. Um, Barnes & Noble is probably the best place to find. Uh, Petroglyphs in the Sky, Jeff Rewind, uh, The Phoenix Lights. Uh, you can pick up my book here, uh, there. And it goes into great detail, and it goes, it's tons of photographs, and it, and it tells the story of what, you know, happened here, and uh, some of the theories, uh, along with the UFO sightings and the petroglyph carvings. And it talks about the Jack Swelling. He was the first guy to come back here and start uh, rebuilding Phoenix. Now, Phoenix is a fiery bird that rose up from the ashes of a formal civilization. Now, that's basically what happened here. Uh, Phoenix came out of the Holocom past. But when you look at the Holocom past... Uh, you know, it's not a very good one. Sure, they were a peace-loving race, but they had to deal with these things in the sky, and when things didn't go well, they up and disappeared. They got taken away. Did it take you long to learn the language, the Hokum language? I'm sorry, what was that? Did it take you long to learn the Hokum written language? Um, you know, it's, it's, once you, like, start understanding, uh, the pentagliffs, now, I, I don't know, 
uh, the Native American languages, none of that, but um, I can interpret the petroglyphs out here. Um, I can understand the story now. Uh, watching these things in the sky, um, going out there and investigating trails, investigating the petroglyphs, understanding, you know, uh, the landscape and everything else. You know, it's really, you know, once you open up your third eye to this, you know, because if you have a closed mind coming into this, you're not going to understand anything. And that's how that's how this has been going on for the past 80, 90 years. You know that this hasn't been this has been overlooked. You know, um, because people have such a closed mind to this. But once you open up your third eye and once you open up your mind to this, the petroglyphs will talk to you. They will tell you what is going on here. They tell you, look, you know, in this direction over here, you can find a tomb. In this direction over here, you can find something else that's significant. This is a spiral doorway. You know, watch, watch us. This is what's going to come out of here. You know, this is the type of spirit. It's card. We have a doorway, a spiral doorway. And right above it, most of the times, we see a flying snake. Or we see a flying spider. Or we see a flying orb. Or light. You know, this is the doorway. This is his home. You know, so basically, when you study this, you know, it, it all falls into place. Um, and now, there was a lot of people that did understand this throughout history. Uh, right before World War II, we had a depression out here, and they hired the Civil Conservation uh, Corps, the CCC. Now, they came in, in here, and they lived on South Mountain for about two, about two years, two and a half years. And they dug up mines, they dug uh, precious minerals, gold and silver, and I believe they ended up with about $60,000 worth of gold and silver gold and silver here. And also they constructed um, ramadas, picnic tables, uh, they built trails, and they also destroyed petroglyphs. Now, I think at that time they wanted to make this park a family-oriented park. And carvings of depictions of sacrifice and demonic creatures and people getting carried away up into the sky just didn't seem to fit uh, the family-oriented uh, park that they wanted to turn this park into. Um, there, there's a lot of carvings that were destroyed, that has been blown up. Uh, most of the story around the ground level where people, uh, people go to, you know, to picnic and stuff like that, uh, the carvings have been destroyed and are missing. But the higher you go up on the mountain, the more the story comes into place because most of those petroglyphs hasn't been touched. So, and to really understand what's going on here, you really have to climb high and you have to spend a lot of time on this mountain and see some of the petroglyphs that hasn't been seen in hundreds of years, you know, that hasn't been touched, you know. And once you do that, you know, you can really understand uh, what's really here, what's really going on here. Um, for years, you know, it's been a theory. Well, we think the Native Americans saw UFOs in the sky. Uh, we think that these carvings are UFOs. Uh, but no one's actually taken the time to watch the mountain and watch and document, you know, all the activity that's going on out here. Um, but I did and continue to do it. Uh, for two and a half years, I sat by that mountain and I watched these creatures, these things coming and going from South Mountain. And there was a lot of uh, these UFOs 
that matched the petroglyphs of uh, the carvings out here. Uh, for instance, there's a, a stick figure man, and he's looking up at a crooked snake. He's looking up at it, some, some type of crooked snake in the sky above his head. For years, you know, the archaeologists and everybody else are saying, well, it's just a myth. It's just a, uh, um, you know, it's a hallucination. Uh, it's, his, it's his spirits. You know, well, yeah, it's his spirits. But what if he actually documented this? What if this is a photograph of what he saw? Because they didn't have video cameras back then to record their sightings. They had stone boulders to record their UFO sightings on. And this is the reason why we find petroglyphs in some areas on the mountain, and then we don't find any petroglyphs um, on the other sides of the mountain. It's because the petroglyphs, the, the sides of the mountains, or the places where the boulders are, they have the petroglyphs on them. That is the witness point. That is the story that, was, that happened here. It didn't happen across the way over there. No, it happened right here where you see these glyphs are. Um, it's a testimony of the incident that took place uh, in that area. Um, a lot, a lot of petroglyphs. Uh, you have to look. Um, you know, when you're examining the rock art, uh, you have to look at the whole landscape because the artist is is including the landscape in with the art. Uh, for instance, you see uh, two triangles uh, carved on a boulder. Well, if you look behind that boulder and you look up at the mountains, you'll see the mountains are two triangles. It's two pyramids. It's two pyramid mountains behind that boulder. So this is what the artist is trying to tell you. You know, these two triangles on this boulder is the two pyramids behind the boulder. That's what he's talking about. Now, if there's a spiral there, that means those two pyramid hills are doorways. You know, it's a doorway for the spirits. If there's something uh, carved inside that those two triangles, then there's a tomb. There's something buried in those mountains behind that boulder there. So that's basically how you understand the petroglyphs. You have to include the whole landscape. It's neat too because sometimes uh, there's deer. Uh, you have to you have to really look at the deer carvings and the coyote carvings. Um, for instance, the deer carvings. Uh, Sometimes their antlers, okay, will go, will twist off his head and go every which way direction, and it looks like really crazy antlers above his head. But when you step back and you examine the landscape, you'll come to find out that the, his antlers are actually trails behind him, behind him on the scenery of the mountains. You know, so one squiggly angler goes left, well, you look back and look at that trail. It's a squiggly trail going up the mountain. Uh, another squiggly line uh, coming off his head for an angler to the right. Well, you look to the right, and there's a squiggly line of a trail going up the mountain to the right. So it's a, it's a map. The deer is telling you where these uh, significant trails are to lead you to the next story. Coyotes, deers, coyotes, um, the way the petroglyph is facing, uh, if, if there's an a, a Indian or carving or a, uh, some type of creature and he's looking uh, in that direction, if he's looking to the right, you want to head right. You want to go that direction he's looking because that will lead you to the next story. He's pointing. He's forever showing you where the next petroglyph will lead you to.
Is it similar to the uh, in Australia? They have a Aboriginal <laughs> art where they got pictures of very tall men, and the Aborigines sort right. of talking to them. I don't know if that's similar or not. Absolutely, giants, giants. Yes, there's evidence of giants here on South Mountain. I go into that in the book. Uh, there's petroglyphs of giants, uh, six finger giants um, here on South Mountain in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, I found some of some of the tombs uh, that are buried out here, and these huge stone boulders are covering the entrance to these tombs. And it's like, how did they get these massive ton weight boulders in front of this hole? You know, I mean, it, it all leads up to someone very big, very powerful. And the petroglyphs talk about the giants. Now, out here on the west side of Phoenix, Arizona, we have a mountain called the Superstition Mountain. Now, a lot of people are, are uh, familiar with that mountain uh, uh, because of the uh, famous German uh, uh, Dutchman who found the gold out there and the legend of the lost uh, Dutchman's gold mine. And for years, people have been going out there looking for gold uh, that the uh, German guy found around 80 years ago. And no one has found it to this day. Uh, apparently, he died. And he didn't tell anybody where it was, but it's been a, a, a gold and a hiker's destiny myth uh, to go try to find this, this lost Dutchman's gold mine. But that mountain actually goes deeper than that uh, when it comes to legends and what that mountain really represents. Um, you know, back in uh, during Noah's days, when the flood was coming, there was bloodthirsty giants here, the story goes on to say that the giants here uh, were consuming man's flesh. Um, there were evil giants here. Um, and the waters were coming. The waters were coming to start the world over again. The flood, Noah's flood. And as the, fl as the waters were approaching the city, the giants saw what was going on. And they told, the lead giant told his followers to climb up on this rock. And as, as they did, the, the, the lead giant used his magical powers to raise this rock up, but the water kept coming. So he used his, more, he used his powers to raise this rock up more, but the water kept, calm, kept, kept coming. Uh, eventually, this rock turned into, a, turned into a huge mountain, and the waters were still coming. And at that time, the, the giant, he was, he was tired. He couldn't use his powers anymore. So as the waters were about to drown uh, his, his uh, descendants um, in a last desperate way to, to immortalize his giants, he used his powers to turn them all to stone. And when that did, that's when the waters stopped. Now on the Superstition Mountains, you can see on top of the mountain uh, stone, what looked like stone giants that had been turned to stone all along the top of the ridge on the mountain there. And just below their feet is the water line where the water had stopped. Uh, on the bottom of the mountain there, you can see a, a uh, formation of rock, a big, huge boulder formation of a rock with a giant on his hands and knees as he's praying. And that's pretty much the story here on that mountain is the giant uh, raised, made that mountain from a, from a small hill. 
and he raised that mountain to save save his people from drowning from the flood. And the evidence is still there. You can, like I said before, you can see the the giants up on the ledge. They're all turned to stone. You can see the watermark there where the water stopped, and you can see the bottom of him rain. Now this is all biblical. Going into this, you know, I'm thinking, you know, wow, you know, Phoenix lights, spaceships, uh, men from Mars, uh, they're gonna they're gonna help us. These these UFOs, they're here to help us. You know, wow, this is great. Let's go watch it. You know, Roswell, okay, things like that. Little green men, you know, right? Big eyes, right? Yeah. Coming out of this and, and walking, not walking away from it, but now understanding what's going on, this is something completely different. This is not little green guys uh, from Mars. This is not spacecraft. This is not little green guys with big heads and, and big eyes. Uh, this is biblical. Biblical stuff. Um, just like I mentioned in the Giants, uh, when we read uh, Genesis 6, it says the Nephilim were cast out of heaven and thrown here to earth. Well, that's basically what the petroglyphs are talking about. Is these things being cast out of cast out of the sky into the into the ground, and these mountains are their home. And the story goes on to say that the people in those days worshipped these things as God. But that's exactly what was going on here. The Holocaust worshipped these things as God. The story goes on to say that the um, these creatures, these UFO creatures, these demonic creatures, took the women. Uh, and, and produce giants. Well, that's basically what the carvings are talking about out here. It's really neat because the Bible, we can read about stuff like that, and then we can go up on the mountains and we can see the photographs. We can see the testimony of what the Bible is talking about through the rock art. So this is not something, uh, and this is the reason why uh, most of the Native Americans here won't talk about this. It's, it's kind of like taboo to them uh, because they understand. They know what's going on here. They know that last time man interacted with these creatures, they got taken away. Something happened. Okay, so now in our generation, now it's our time. We're seeing these things. So what does that say about our future? Okay, and a lot of people are asking me, well, if these UFOs are here, how come they're not landing on the White House lawn? How come the government's not telling us? Well, it's because <laughs> it's not a good thing. These things in the sky is not a good thing. Okay, we're at the end of days here. I don't know how much you're into the Bible and Bible prophecy, but that's basically, without a shadow of a doubt, you know, is what's going on here, that um, things are going to change here. Uh, I go into my book where it talks about uh, four worlds. You know, each world has been destroyed and rebuilt again, started over. Well, that's basically what's about ready to happen. Uh, the Native Americans are waiting for this fifth world to happen, okay? Because right now we're in the fourth. We're getting ready to have a fifth. And in order for that to happen, the world has to be destroyed again, you know? And so that's basically what's going on. And the last time, if you if, now let's look back in history, with the Indians, um, what made these UFOs interact with people is they needed them. They, these people needed these things to survive. Right now, we don't need them. So basically, they're watchers. They're watching in the sky. They're letting, they're letting people know that they're here 
to the wise, like you and me and many others, we understand what these things are. Because we studied them. We know what's going on. We, we know what's going on. We know their history. Okay? But to everybody else, you know, they don't understand. They don't know what's going on. So they're not making contact. Um, they're only coming to a, to a select few of us because we know we've been there. We're, we're, we understand what's going on. You know, that's why some of us see a lot of them and some of us don't because, you know, they're not, well, for them, they're not looking for them. You know, once you start looking for them, you'll start to see them. You'll start to see them. And, and, and once you start to start studying more, you'll find out, look, this isn't a craft. You know, we get reports of people seeing spaceships. But we don't really have any evidence. We don't have, we've got computer-generated spaceships. We've got things like that, you know. But basically what we're seeing around the world here is orbs, lights, flying serpents, weird things. Not what everyone is reporting, but what we're, everyone is recording, as we see, as we're seeing, is, is orbs and lights and things like that. And because of Hollywood and people throwing out disinformation for the last 60 to 70 years, Everybody automatically assumes that it's a spaceship, blah, blah, blah. No. We need to really study this, okay, as I have done, and really look at these things, and <laughs> you need to find out that it's not a spaceship at all, that they're living creatures, they're living beings. And so back to the, to the question, well, how come they're not talking to us? Well, because we don't need them. All right? Now, the Bible says in, in Revelations that two-thirds of the world will be destroyed. All right, there won't be any food, there won't be any water, but yet people are going to see these lights in the sky. They're going to see these orbs in the sky. And one's going to come down and turn himself into a man, and he's going to perform all these miracles. Here, look what I can do. I can, I can uh, clear up the waters for you. I can give you food. I can clean up the air. But in return, you have to worship me. See where I'm going here? Yeah, That's yeah. That's the Antichrist. Yeah, Absolutely. So this is biblical stuff, biblical, biblical stuff that we're dealing with, that a lot of UFO people, you know, fail to understand, fail to recognize this. Um, you know, the more the more Earth people go away from God and the Bible, the more of a chance that you know these creatures, these demonic creatures, will have reign. You know, um, and. and there are there are black helicopters out here. There's white air, airplanes out here. Um, I've documented that. That's in the book. Um, that there the government somebody is watching what's going on here because they understand. They're not letting us know. You know they're not telling us what for. But you and I both know what these creatures are here for and what is about to happen. Um, going back to the whole com, it says that they were taken away. All right. So, was this a type of rapture that happened back then? It's just—are we talking about First Thessalonians when it says that we will be caught up into the sky and be judged, judged by the Lord? Is that—is is that the rapture? Did the Holocaust get raptured up back then? That's what the myths say. That's what the carvings say. That's what the evidence says. But they were taken away. They were gone. Because even when me and you move, we take our belongings with us. But yeah, these people didn't. They just up and disappeared. Okay, and so, hello, <laughs> we're seeing them now too in the sky, so, so the second step is, we're going to need them, we're going to need them to survive, they're here and letting us know that they're watching us, the second step is, we're probably going to have a third world war, something big is going to happen, um, and they're 
going to come down and they're going to fool us again. But they're not the right angels, if you will. Yes, these are angels, in my opinion. Um, it's really weird, too, because sometimes God in, in, in the book uses these angels uh, to help mankind out. For, his, for instance, uh, uh, Moses. Okay, when we read, uh, when we read the, the uh, Exodus, it says, A pillar of cloud by day. And a pillar of fire by night led the Israelites out of Egypt. All right, and it says that for forty years and for forty years they followed this thing in the sky. Sometimes that thing in the sky wouldn't move for a whole year. Those people would pitch camp and wait for that thing in the sky to move. And as soon as that thing in the sky started to move, they started to pack up their belongings and follow that thing in the sky. So basically, for forty years they're following a UFO. It's written. It's been, it's been written. It's been written in there for 3,000 years. How come no one is talking about this when it's clearly there? Oh, Jeff, I really have learned something today. Where? On a mountain. By what? A light. A light. A bright light came down and took Moses up into the sky. Hello? What is this? Oh, is that a UFO to us? Could be. And what was the people, and how did the people get to the promised land? It was a Moses, he was taken away by a light. It was that thing in the sky that led people into the promised land. So UFOs has been with us this whole time. Sometimes they're here to help us. Great creator, God, commands these things to help us out. And But there's other demonic ones. So basically we're dealing with two different types here. Some of them are good and some of them are bad. We have to understand which are the good ones and which ones are the bad ones. Well, Jeff, I I really have learned something today. I do appreciate that, that you with this conversation because I that's why I like talking that's to people because you find out a little bit more information along the way. And I think sure. and I yeah. think people will if they read your book and they read it properly and they probably might need a couple reads. Let's say just a. Because it is a heavy theory, and some people might think, oh yeah, fine. But then they look into it properly, they think, they will realize there is, a, there is truth out there. Right, you know, um, this first book, my book, is, is very big, and so the publishers decided to break it in half. And so the, the first part of my book, it reads like a movie. Okay, and it talks about, you know, how the holocons are here. It has a character named John, um, and he basically learns. I, I, I use this character uh, for the reader so that the reader can follow this character, John, through the myths and legends, through the stories of, of, of the mountains here, of the Valley of the Sun here, and uh, what happened here. Um, I explain the petroglyphs as it goes along. As the story goes along, uh, John and the Indian chief walks up to this petroglyph and the Indian explains what the petroglyph is talking about. You know, so it's a magical type uh, setting uh, story that the reader is reading and is learning too. And it makes you want to come back out to the mountain because this is real photographs. Nina talks about a tomb. I show the tomb. You know, oh, no, I know, I am very impressed. You know, the, the, I was very impressed with the photos yeah. you sent me. They were very impressive. Oh, yeah, thank you, thank you. you yeah, definitely... it's neat. It's a, it's a, this has never, ever been done before, ever. Uh, this is a one-of-a-kind book. It's not a regular UFO book. 
Um, only the people that really is, is tuned in will understand what's going on. And the second book, uh, hopefully that'll get published soon, uh, goes into more greater detail on, on why, the, why these UFOs are here, how you can see them, how you can trace them down, um, when's the best month to see them, when is the best time to see them. It goes into more detail on these UFO creatures um, than the first book. The first book gets the audience, you know, intrigued, you know, wow, you know, and, and there's proof, you know, this, this isn't uh, uh, just a, you know, just a story, but there's actually proof, you know, of what the story is talking about, because I did throw in, you know, true stories, myths, and legends, okay, and I put it all together into one, you know, and, but when you look at the evidence, you, you'll be able to find out what is true, what is a myth, you know, and the whole point of this book is I, I want to bring people back to this mountain, you know, because all this stuff has been overlooked for like 60, 70 years now. Um, even the archaeologist doesn't admit to this. I, I've dealt with this guy before, and the city archaeologist does not talk about the evidence that's up there. Uh, he doesn't talk about the tombs. They sure the heck don't talk about the altars. But yet the photographs, the altars are there, the tombs are there. They've been sitting there for thousands of years. Okay, you cannot overlook this. You know, but they don't talk about it. You know, so I'm bringing back the stories, the true myths and, myths and legends of South Mountain here. You know, Mount Sokoa, Mountain of Mercy. You know, well, I wish I could go. Going on here. I wish I could go there. And if I could, I would. Cables, not, not trails for people to run up. But a mountain that has been worshipped and, and uh, is sacred. Well, Jeff, I'd like to thank you for being on my show. I have really been informed today. So would you like to mention your book again so people can go out and find it or buy it or read it or whatever? Yeah, uh, my, yeah my name is Jeff Woolwine, uh, J-E-F-F-W-O-O-L-W-I-N-E. And you can remember the book as Petroglyphs in the Sky, uh, the rock art Petroglyphs in the Sky. It's all one word. Um, you can find it on Amazon, Kindle, um, Barnes & Noble, uh, eBay, you can find it. Um, if you search uh, The Phoenix Lights, uh, you can find my book that way. I think I'm probably the fourth, the fourth book down on the list, uh, Petroglyphs in the Sky, Jeff Woolwine. Uh, true stories, myths, and legends of South Mountain Park and UFOs. So yeah, it's a great read. Tons of, of photographs in there, and uh, it's awesome. People won't won't, won't be uh, uh, displeased. I'm getting great reviews on it. Uh, they're just telling me that it's one of the best UFO books out there, and uh, I would agree, man. It's it's uh, you know 13 years of research, 15 years of getting the book together, and 20 years of getting it published. So it's not just something that came on overnight. This is a lot of work <laughs> that went into that book. Well, it's like so, everything, you isn't it? You need the research to do okay. the book. And I, I admire you for sticking with your theory and doing research because that is the true dedication. Thank you, my friend. Well, I'm just going to I'm going to sign off now, Jeff, but I'll sign off in an unusual way. So, are you ready? Okay, thank you so much for having me. Right, Jeff, here's my little sign-off for you. Thank you, Jeff, for being on my show. It's nice to find out about 
the aliens in the sky, you know. I wish I could go to the mountains one day. It'd be so cool to see them and say hey. So thank you, Jeff, for being on my show. Ta-ta. Bye-bye. Thank you.